I live in Israel. This season is dedicated to the memory of the 1,400 of my countrymen who were massacred on October 7th, and the 240 people that were kidnapped and are being held hostage by the terrorist organization Hamas. Hopefully they will be returned to their families as soon as possible, and hopefully this terrible war will be able to come to a peaceful end very soon. Welcome to Minute 37 of Season 6 of Move Around Minute, the daily podcast where we take a Capra-esque journey through the 1946 classic, It's a Wonderful Life, One Minute at a Time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Richard Kirkham of Kirkham, a movie a day. Welcome back to the show, Richard. Glad to be here, Rob. If I had a million dollars, I wouldn't be here. (laughs) No, maybe you would. Even if you had a million dollars, you'd still want a podcast, wouldn't you? I'd still podcast, but I'd probably do it from a palatial estate someplace else. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Ah, so you wouldn't be where you are. Not where you wouldn't that's be. Right. You wouldn't be here. Okay. That's it. Okay, that, that makes sense. <laughs> All right, so minute 37 begins with the brothers reuniting and ends with George being left alone once again with his thoughts. So yesterday we we ended things with uh, you know George and Uncle Billy waiting at the train station for for Harry to show up and Harry then to show up <laughs> and we 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 get to see right at the beginning of this minute that he's not there alone but George and Uncle Billy don't notice that yet they're still waiting for it and. Then it, the, the, the minute starts off with, oh, am I glad to see you? And then Harry goes, hey, where's mother? She's home cooking the fatted calf. <laughs> have you ever heard that phrase before? I have. It's, uh, it's actually a, a biblical phrase. That is correct. Do, no, do, you know like, where, do you know where it's from? From the story of the prodigal son. That is correct. In, in the New Testament. And it, it basically is a festive celebration or rejoicing for someone's long-awaited return, which yes. I, I, I had never known that, you know, until I looked it up, you know, was doing, I've, I've heard this phrase used many times in this movie, other movies, whatever, never made any type of, uh, you know, uh, connection to the fact that uh, it comes from uh, biblical times. You know, the, the, the idea basically is to take, uh, you know, your, your fattest and best piece of li- livestock uh, in order to use it at this festive meal celebration. Well, I think uh, it was very typical in uh, earlier times to use phrases that made reference to, well, biblical stories, for instance, or historical events. Um, it's, a, it's a little bit like slang that people shared, they've got cultural familiarity with certain things, so people understand what you're talking about when you use a phrase or you make a reference to a character or a person in history. Uh, I'm not sure that we're still doing, I mean, we do that to some degree, obviously, but I don't think uh, the biblical references are nearly as ubiquitous as they were 100 years ago. No, no. That's because now we have the internet. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. 
<laughs> now, now the things that the people talk about are TikToks. You know, <laughs> that's it. Everybody knows the TikTok or the uh, viral video that or uh, the meme or whatever it is. They are, <laughs> oh, you've seen that meme, and I'm going, no, I haven't. I, I, I need to catch up. That's right. <laughs> and then he goes, "Come on, let's go." And then Harry realizes that that he's made a little bit of a mistake here, and he goes, "Oh, wait, wait, wait a minute." George, Uncle Billy, I want you to meet Ruth. <laughs> it's it's an interesting way to for him to introduce uh, Ruth, wh- whoever she may be. We will find out in a few seconds. But it's just very strange, you know. He's, you know, Harry has come home. He's been away for four years, and he, you know, he just spent however many hours on the train with Ruth. But as soon as he sees his brother and his uncle, he's totally forgotten about that fact. You know, she's she's a you know, she she's an afterthought at this point. Who again, whoever she may be, and you know, well, so yeah, Harry Harry's dumping a surprise on them, which is a little bit strange, but uh, yeah. especially this kind of surprise. That's right. And then we get a hello, how do you do, Ruth Dakin, and then Ruth actually uh, corrects Harry and says Ruth Dakin Bailey, if you don't mind. And then yeah. George does a double take, huh? <laughs> and Harry goes, well, I warned you. I had a surprise. Here she is. Meet, Meet the wife. The wife. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting way to meet the wife <laughs> as opposed to why don't you meet my new wife, Ruth, or whatever. Just meet the wife. I don't know. I, I just found, found it a little strange that that's the uh, the, the, the way – that Harry refers to Ruth. You know, I think I think the way brothers talk to each other, there sometimes is this little shorthand that they do. They had an earlier scene. Remember when they were getting ready to go to uh, the party where they're, you know, cryptically making comments to each other all the time, talking in a little bit of shorthand. And I think it's another one of those things that, and especially when he's when he is pulling a surprise. He hasn't told them before. He didn't write to them ahead of time. He didn't send them a telegram that he was getting married. Uh, so, uh, you know, this is a way that he can casually toss it off and produce the surprise effect that he's looking for. I right. think that's 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 a smart-ass brother comment. Okay. That, that's fair. Um, I, I mean, I would assume that Ruth would, would be somewhat offended that that's the way he, she's being introduced, even if it's a smart-ass uh, brother comment. You know, it's not... I, I wouldn't say it's appropriate. Well, I, I would certainly say it would not be the appropriate way to do it in 2023. But I tell you what, in uh, 1920, 1932, uh, probably wouldn't be perceived as being nearly as offensive. Or if it was offensive, uh, nobody would speak about it. Right. Okay. Right. That 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 is fair. Um, so I mean, there are. Tons of people that I found. I found a whole list of, of people that, that that have been named Ruth. And there, there's there's two that I'm going to talk about because they're both connected to a candy bar. Uh, do, do you know who either of these Ruths are? Or possibly both? Oh, uh, well, I assume Babe Ruth is one. And then uh, there was a – there was a – is it the story about the little girl and the bear, the teddy bear? Uh, you don't no. see that? No. Okay, then it's some, somebody else, I'm, so I don't know. 
It's the 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 daughter of uh, of Grover Cleveland. Okay. Uh, President Grover Cleveland, who was the was this his was this his illegitimate daughter? No, no, this was she was legitimate. Uh, she was properly known popularly known as Baby Ruth or Babe Ruth. Uh, she was the oldest of five children born to uh, Grover Cleveland and his wife Frances, and she was born in 1891 and passed away in 1904. So she. Oh, wow. she she only made it to the age of 13. Uh, actually, it wasn't even 13. She was 12 and a half when, when, when she passed away. Um, she was, when, when, uh, when Grover Cleveland finished his second term, they, they ended up moving uh, to New Jersey and she, she ended up uh, you know, passing away, as, as I mentioned, at a very early age. And she was actually born between both of Grover Cleveland's uh, two terms of office. Uh, two terms of office. He is the only president who uh, lost an election, not, and then four years later, terms, right? that's right, that's right. And I, I always, I always remember the the phrase from from his wife, from Frances Cleveland, who, when they were leaving the White House in eighteen ninety one or ninety two, uh, she basically said to. No, it was 1890, I believe. She said to to all the servants, uh, "Don't change anything. We'll be back in four years." <laughs> you know, and then because the the election, was, he lost to Benjamin Harrison, and then he beat Benjamin Harrison four years later. Yes. Yes. He's, he's uh, the 22nd and the 24th president. That is correct. Mm-hmm. And basically, so they. Uh, uh, she she was a sick child and she had uh, diphtheria, and that that's what uh, that she ended up dying uh, five days later from heart failure. Oh wow! Yeah, when they created a candy bar, it was originally known as candy cake, and it was uh, from 1900 to 1920, and then in 1921 it was renamed. Baby Ruth, in order for her, in in her name, and it was 17 years after she had already passed away. <laughs> and uh, the same same at the, during the 1920s, that's when Babe Ruth became popular, also. So you know the the <laughs> they basically you know continued. They basically said that it could have been either of them, even though according according to what I what I've seen here, it was originally named after Ruth Cleveland. Even though, well, uh, my guess is that there's a, uh, a legal issue here that you know they didn't want to pay anybody uh, for using the term uh, <laughs> "baby Ru- Babe Ruth candy bar," so they'll say "Baby Ruth" and they'll just say it's named after the president's daughter. You know, the one who died 17 years ago, the one who was born 35 years ago, and uh, you know, it's it's and the one that's probably faded from memory, but. Uh, that's what we'll tell people. That way we can use the candy bar name and still get away with it and not have to send any money over to the baseball player. Correct. <laughs> and, and I mean, her last name is pretty strange here, Dakin. Have you ever heard that name before? I think there's an actor 
who's got the last name Dakin. Maybe you should look it up. Uh, if I, I'm not, I did. I've, I've, I have a list here of people named if Dakin. I, if, I'm not, Dakin. If, if I'm not mistaken, I think the guy who played Strother Martin's part in the remake of True Grit, I think his last name is Dakin. Um, I mean, based, based, uh, it, it, I mean, it's very possible. Based on the list that I found here, there there is nobody who fits that description. There was the the governor of the uh, Kayakos Islands, whose name was Nile, uh, Nigel, whose name is uh, Nigel Bacon. Um, then there are all these uh, cricket players, uh, some some. Uh, uh, some scientists. I, I don't see any on this list that uh, there. There was a famous cryptographer named Alex. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what it was. That's his first name. It's not his last name. Ah, okay. So that's where I'd heard the name before. Okay, that 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 makes sense. So yeah, no, I don't know any other. Uh, uh, no, I, 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 I didn't even think to look it up as a first name. So. It's kind of odd. You know, if it is a first name, can, can you imagine that Ruth's brother was uh, Dakin Dakin? And that's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's very possible. Gets over his uh, little stupor and then goes, well, what do you know? A wife. Well, oh, how do you do? Congratulations. How do you do? And then George looks around and goes, what am I doing? And then he, he gives her a hug and a kiss and says, congratulations. Doggone it, Harry. You... Then, then Billy just screams out, "They're married!" <laughs> <laughs> and and the response that 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 uh, you hear afterwards is George says, "Why don't you tell somebody?" <laughs> and then Harry goes, "Come on, Mrs. Bailey, I can't wait to see everybody's reaction." And then yeah, George he knows he's trying to spring a surprise. That's right. And then George st starts walking with, with her, and he goes, you're really married? Why, yes. What's a pretty girl like you doing marrying that two-headed brother of mine? Well, I'll tell you, it's purely mercenary. My father offered him a job. Oh, we got you and the job. Well, Harry's cup runneth over. Uh, George, about that job, see Harry interrupts here and says, Ruth spoke out of turn. I never said I'd take it. You've been holding the bag here for four years, and, well, I won't let you down, George. I would like to, oh, wait a minute. I forgot the bags. I'll be right back. And then he runs back to go get the bags. And then Billy, we hear Billy scream. It goes, it was a surprise to me. <laughs> so, you know, it's funny that, uh, you know, that she says that it was it's purely mercenary. You know, I don't know if I would necessarily use that term. Maybe, maybe back in the 1940s. The term mercenary was seen very differently than it is today. I, you know, that doesn't surprise me at all. You know, it's I might have used that expression uh, a couple of times, you know, when I was doing something and I'm getting something out of it that is uh, like a bonus. And I would tease that, you know, it's really just a mercenary act on my part. I was really, you know, it's like being on this show. It's not because uh, I enjoy talking to you. It's really because uh, I'm going to boost my listenership on the podcast or something like that. Uh -huh. Okay. Well, I'm 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 not paying. My experience with you is purely mercenary, Rob. <laughs> That's okay. Because well, because I don't have any, I, I don't make any profits to to be able to to, to share with everyone. So yeah, I I, I make do with uh, your knowledge. <laughs> But I, I do like the fact that uh, that when she says that, uh, 
George gets an expression on his face that's almost exactly the one that started the previous minute when uh, he discovers that the building and loan would close if he doesn't stay as the executive officer. I mean, I think it's like these are two bookends of uh, his life, four years apart, and he's got the same look on his face when he's suddenly disappointed again at the prospect of what's going to happen. Exactly. And I mean, it, it, <laughs> I mean, we talked a little bit about this yesterday, but the, the whole idea that that, you know, George is constantly uh, his plans are, are constantly thwarted. You know, and it's never done in a malicious way, but it just happens to be that, you know, he has all these great plans for himself. And every time that that he's trying to do something and wants to turn the corner and and go f uh, fulfill these dreams, you know, he gets stopped by something. And here's just another thing, just because Harry got married. Do you think do you think Harry didn't mention it because he was. Because not just that he wanted to surprise George, but he wanted for this to come up this way, you know, not to give George enough time to think about it. Yeah, I, I think that that would ascribe kind of a malicious attitude by Harry towards George. And I don't I don't really think that malicious or I, malicious or self-serving. Well, it's manipulative. I don't know if, if I would, you know, it's a, it's a matter of degree. It certainly might, you know, if it, even if it's self-serving, I think that it's, you know, uh, kind of indifferent to uh, George. And I don't really think that that's the way Harry is. And, you know, when, obviously you'll be talking about it toward the end of the season. Uh, I think you, we discover that Harry is quite a magnanimous person. I just think he's impulsive. And, uh, you know, he, he, he likes the surprises and he does things in a particular way. I think that's Harry's nature. And okay, I, and, I and that's fine. I'm not I, trying. I, I I'm not trying. I, uh, I don't think I would ascribe it to, you know, trying to pull a fast one on uh, on George. Not necessarily trying to pull a fast one, but the whole idea is, is that, that, you know, it's it's a known thing. I mean, I, it doesn't sound as if, you know, they eloped the, the night before. You know, it sounds like they've been married already, let's say, at least a few weeks, if not longer at this point. You know, and, and Harry has already met her family and has already, uh, at least to some degree, uh, he's agreed to the fact that he will be, uh, you know, working for his new father-in-law. Have you, have you ever known people who got married the same weekend that they graduated from college? Because I have. I've known two people who did that. Okay. So it, it wouldn't surprise me at all that it would be one of those kinds of things. They were, you know, they met at school or he was at school and uh, met her. I don't know if she was at school also, but uh, he's coming back from graduating. It's his turn to come back to town. And you know, he probably, like I said, impulsively married this woman that he fell in love with uh, pretty close to the same weekend. <laughs> you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all that those kinds of events happen. So. Like I said, I, I just think it's his impulsiveness more than anything else. Okay. All right. That's fair. That, that's fair to look at it from that perspective. No, I, again, I, I don't think that Harry has malicious intent here, but I think it's the idea that, that he's uh, in some ways already agreed to something without taking 100% into consideration how it will affect George. 
Yeah. You know, I think that that's what it comes down to. It's, it's not, I don't know if it's, if it's being really selfish, but it's also thinking of his needs. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, like a lot of things, people don't always think about the unintended consequences of their acts. Correct. Right. Even though right away he knows and, and pipes up about the fact that I know I'm supposed to take it over and that I'm here to do that. But I, yeah. I don't know how much George really buys it. You know, because I, I think also Harry knows George. So the question there is, is okay, does he think that George is going to just, uh, you know, uh, give in and say, okay, you know what, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let you uh, miss your opportunity. So I'm well, gonna we stay never, yeah, we never, we never see that conversation. No, we just know what Her- what uh, George is like. Correct. Correct. Because I, I, if I, if if I remember correctly. I think this part of the movie is the only part where we even see Ruth. I don't think I don't think we see her later on or anything like that. Uh, I, even, I, even at I, the party I, I at the end. Think, I was going to say because that seems like it would be a natural, but I don't remember. Right, I, there I are a lot of people in there at the party at the end. <laughs> that's true, but I, I don't recall seeing her there. Uh, it, it is possible. I'll have to I'll have to go back and uh, and. I'll, I'll have to go uh, check the tape, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. To, you know, just to, to see if she she actually appears there. But I mean, for sure, she never appears in in anything else. That's the only place where it's possible that 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 she appears. Um, well, she is in the the wedding scene or the party scene where they're celebrating when they get back to the house. Right, but I don't. I don't remember You're if right. we see her at at uh, George and, and Mary's wedding. Right. Um, I don't recall if they're if if they're actually there. I mean, we're, or we're obviously not there. We have another few weeks till till yeah. till we'll get there. I'll have to try and keep that in mind uh, when when we get to the wedding. But I don't think that they're there. Um, yeah, it's it's. You know, this is this is I, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a throwaway character, but it's a character who is here just for this plot point. Yeah, it's a plot point. You know, I mean looking at the wedding itself, I don't even see Harry there. So Well, I, I jumped ahead and I'm I'm looking at that closing scene. I will say that I don't see her in any of those scenes. Correct. Yeah, because I, I don't think also that uh Harry maybe maybe Harry doesn't live in, in Bedford Falls. You know, that we don't know. So, yeah. Well, not during the war, he didn't. <laughs> well, no, obviously not. But no, but was his family still? Yeah, in... we, we don't know. Yeah, you're right. Well, I assume that uh, he's living wherever the uh, job was. I, I think they mentioned the Rochester, gl- didn't they? The glass factory. You know, yeah. Yeah. I think they, they mentioned. Uh, yeah. I think they talk about it. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that a little more tomorrow, I guess. Okay. You know, at this point, uh, George just is left alone, and we see that he's just contemplating things once again. And, you know, just like Clarence said yesterday, we already know what's going to happen here. Yeah. You know, it's not there. There isn't much of a much of a uh, uh, of a debate as to what's going to happen to George here. You know, he is going to make That's that true. decision. Right. All right. So, do you have anything else for this minute? I do not. Okay. All right. So every Tuesday we have a segment called Off the Beaten Track, 
And this season, uh, we're telling stories about uplifting experiences. So, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that Richard has some sort of uh, story, anecdote, uh, adventure, misadventure, something that's happened over the course of your life that is related to some sort of uplifting experience that you've had. So, why don't you tell well, us? Well, yeah, it, it was an uplifting moment in a downcast time. Uh, I lost my wife five years ago. It's maybe one of the most emotionally wrenching experiences I've ever gone through. And, you know, it, it was tough. And I have family members that I don't know very well. They, you know, I visited them when we were kids. We would drive across the country uh, and and see my my mom and dad's families back in Battle Creek, Michigan. We lived in Southern California, and they came from Battle Creek, Michigan. And I would see my cousins and my aunts and uncles maybe once in, once a year for when I was a kid, up until the time I was maybe nine or ten. And then between the time I was ten and 40, I didn't see any of my cousins except one who came and moved to California, and I saw her occasionally as well. Uh, and then a few years later, when, you know, maybe uh, three years, four years before my wife passed, we went back and we drove back to visit my one surviving aunt who was 93 at the time, and uh, some of my cousins. Uh, that uh, still live in the in the Battle Creek area, and it was great to visit with them. We stayed with them with one of my cousins for the uh, a couple of nights while we were there, and it was really great. And I and you know I moved on. It was nice seeing them, and we moved on. And then when my wife passed away, I got sympathy cards. Uh, I got nice messages. You know, mo most of these are Facebook relationships that I have with my cousins because we haven't spent a good deal of time together, but. I did receive something from uh, one of my cousins uh, that was very personal and it, it was touching and it, it was uplifting in that way because it 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 made me feel like I was no longer alone. It was one of those things. They didn't send flowers. They sent a package of candy corn. Oh wow! Because they because they knew me online and they knew. That my wife always gave me candy corn in uh, September and October because I I won't eat it outside of that period of time because it's too it's too addictive to me. So I have a very strict regimen. You know, I got 61 days that I can consume candy corn. And they <laughs> said, and, and I opened this package and the candy corn was there. And they said, you know, just thinking of you and and we love you. And it was not anything that I would have expected, but I felt so grateful at that moment that I had people in my life that paid attention to me online, remembered, you know, my wife well enough to know that this would have been something that she would have done. And they took the time to to package that up. And like I said, even though I was going through a really tough time, it was a very good moment in my life now i it's not an inspirational story it's not something that's going to get people out there to no but it's change the story. world change the world but it's one of those things that reminds me that there are good people in the world and uh i know some of them oh wow that, that is a great story richard thank you very much for sharing that i i definitely I appreciate that yes um okay so you want to once again tell people uh, where they can find richard uh, kirkham 
Hey, Richard Kirkham can be located at KirkhamAMovieAday.com on uh, the WordPress site. I also have a blogger site that is easy to access. You just remember KirkhamClass.blogger.com. Uh, that one has all the links to my other sites on it as well, because I do have uh, the Strother Martin Film Project. I did uh, 80s Nostalgia Central, and I've got some other projects that are listed there as well, and you can find links to all of those projects on that site. But on a weekly basis, you can find me on the Lambcast, where I am the host of the weekly podcast of the Large Association of Movie Blogs, which is a collective of 2,000 plus movie bloggers. And we have various bloggers and podcasters join us each week to talk about uh, current films, to talk about past films, to make up lists to argue about uh, actors. We have all kinds of conversations and Movie <laughs> Rob has always been a part of those conversations as long as I've been on the show. So uh, look us up there at largeassmovieblogs.com. All right. And uh, while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe to any podcatcher you might be using to listen to the show. Finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter, which is now X. And you can find me on my website, moviebrobminute.com. So, until tomorrow, hot dog. Hot dog. I love you truly, truly, dear. Life with its sorrow, life with its tears.